Ni hao. Hi, my name is Kylie Jones, and I'm a senior international studies major at Pepperdine University. Welcome to Global Tides, a podcast where I interview Pepperdine faculty and students who have produced excellent social science research with an international component. In an increasingly interconnected world, Global Tides seeks to illuminate the importance of cross-cultural studies for dismantling stereotypes, encouraging empathy, and reaching peace. This is episode three. popularity around the world since the late 1990s, but has seen a particular boom in recent years in the United States. With this growth in popularity, many have begun to examine the types of images being portrayed in these shows. Hypersexualization and extreme beauty standards, among many other themes, are pervasive themes in many anime series and beg the question of the impact that these portrayals of women have on consumers. In this episode, I speak with senior psychology major Lydia Cho about the impact of harmful messaging found in anime. Welcome, Lydia. Hi, Kylie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. I will say when I got your proposal, I was so interested in hearing more about your research. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely in a different vein than a lot of the project proposals I got. So I was super excited to schedule you here for an interview. Um, before we dig into that research, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and your, um, your research interests and your involvement at Pepperdine? Mm -hmm. Well, my name is Lydia Cho. I will be graduating next month after spending three years at Pepperdine University as a psychology major. Um, I was originally born in South Korea, grew up in Bellevue, Washington, and currently I reside in Irvine, California. At Pepperdine, I've been part of the Psychi, which is the International Honor Society of Psychology, as an intern of counsel representative and the Secretary of Korean Student Association as well. And I have also been very fortunate enough to build great relationships with my faculty advisors and to work as an independent researcher along with my amazing colleagues. My research interests are specifically on child clinical psychology and child psychopathology. Um, and I'm really interested in looking at um, child developmental struggles or any behavioral challenges that they go through. Wow, that's super interesting, and it sounds like you're very involved here at Pepperdine. So, moving on um, to the, the nitty-gritty of today, if you had to summarize your research project that you're going to talk about in a little bit into a snappy soundbite, what would it be? Well, under the supervision of Dr. Jennifer Harriger, I'm currently conducting a content analysis to identify relevant themes of sexualization and objectification of women portrayed in anime by observing the top 30 popular Japanese anime released in 2021. Awesome. So anime obviously has become very mainstream in recent years. It's definitely grown in popularity. Um, but for our listeners who may not necessarily be familiar with it, can you tell us a little bit more about anime and what it is? Of course. Um, so anime is a style of Japanese film that dominates the Japanese television industry. In recent years, as you said, um, especially with the help of the social impacts from quarantine, the popularity of Japanese anime is consistently rising in the United States, 
with its rich story plot, attractive characters, and eye-catching cinematography. So take me back to the beginning. What kind of inspired you to start this research project? Are you an avid anime watcher and you kind of noticed these things as you were watching? Or what kind of inspired you? Yeah, of course. Well, as an Asian American myself, I grew up watching some of these Japanese anime and many of my friends were very fond of the culture ever since I can remember. But I personally started to stray away from watching anime because I found myself uncomfortable with certain anime series of how they portray women. And my supervisor, Dr. Herger, has done similar studies in the past with TikTok videos, children's animated films, and workout videos. So we decided to expand the research of investigating the media portrayal of women and body image with the content analysis of Japanese anime, especially with its popularity consistently rising. And I believe that my background in ethnography could bring in a culturally competent perspective to perform the interdisciplinary research showcasing the problematic presence of sexualization themes, which could provide a powerful avenue for the watchers, especially with young children, to learn specifically on gender, gender ideals. You mentioned your um, identity as an Asian American kind of playing a part in your research. Can you kind of let me know a little bit about how you think your identity informs the research you do, maybe informs your perspective or the way that you look at um, your research topic? Mm-hmm. Well, I, as a Korean-American specifically, um, we share a lot of the culture, similar culture with Japanese ideals. And um, during the beginning of the research as well, we, I um, specifically looked at literature reviews for the Eastern Asian women beauty ideals. And um, when I spoke with my teammates upon that matter, um, a lot of them did not know about how Asian beauty standards tend to um, focus on maybe having a big eye, um, having a double eyelid, and um, tending to prefer a fair skin. All of that um, was something that I was the only one who was aware of. And I tried to incorporate what was considered normal in the East Asian beauty standards and what was considered normal by watching these Japanese animes that maybe a Western person did not realize before. Wow, that's super, super interesting. And I think it's so important. And one of the reasons why I'm um, glad that I have this platform, because I think that because of our diverse backgrounds, we're able to offer perspectives that other people who may not necessarily be from where we are or understand the same culture that we do, um, we can kind of broaden their perspective and help them consider issues that they might not have previously. So that's that's super interesting, and I, I'm glad that you were able to contribute that way to your, you. to your group members. Um, so can you take me through your methodology? How did you formulate a way of tracking the harmful imaging in these anime TV shows, and what were you particularly looking for? Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, the team conducted Um, literature reviews, investigating previous studies and blog posts because there hasn't been a lot of research on anime before um, to find relevant themes um, prominently seen in Japanese anime. So we organized these themes into a coding manual, which the coders, um, including my research assistant and I, to use for data collection. Um, Gathering the data from the website, My Anime List, 
I created a list of 30 most popular Japanese anime aired in 2021 to see the contemporary trend, and the coders observe three random episodes per anime series, um, specifically looking for the presence or absence of the themes identified in the coding manual. The current study involves a comprehensive examination of various behaviors, characteristics, and physical attributes. Specific examples of what we look for is whether or not a female character in the episode shows cleavage or is wearing revealing or sexually suggestive clothing. We also look at over-sexualization of male characters where pervertedness or sex-driven attitudes becomes a consuming part of the character. We also looked at weight, appearance, and body image themes, coding if there were diverse body sizes in male or female characters, and if there was a presence of body shame, or rather if there was a sense of fat uh, acceptance attitudes. So how about your findings? What were the most important takeaways that you garnered? Was there anything that particularly surprised you as you researched your data? Well, currently we are still in the process of gathering data, but so far we have seen all of the episodes that we have observed so far coding yes in the presence of at least one thin female character. Um, there were a lot of frequent presence of bare legs and female kawaii ideal, which is defined as young, innocent, and petite figure female characters emphasized with passivity, purity, and submissiveness. Additionally, we have found that there tend to be much more observance of male diverse body sizes, but not as much for female bi diverse body size. Since our study is a content analysis, I cannot conclude any causational relationship in these cultural or gender ideals, but it is surely concerning to see how we be repeatedly see a very defined expectance in women behaviors to be submissive and women body types to be thin. And studies have continued to corroborate the idea that media is a powerful agent in shaping the body image in children, teens, and young adults. So how do you think this messaging that you're finding within these anime episodes um, impacts those in the audience, that those kids and teens and young adults that are watching? A very great question, Kylie. A number of researchers have studied the effects of exposure to such media messages, almost always concluding that internalization of the thin ideal leads to problems such as decreased satisfaction with one's body, reduced self-esteem, and eating or weight disorders. Studies have shown that these effects are greater for women and girls than they are for men and boys, but researchers who have examined both males and females in their studies have been quick to point out that the adverse effects are observed for males as well. It is also important to note a finding from a previous study where cultivation theory states that media viewers' perceptions of social reality will be shaped by extensive and cumulative exposure to media-provided messages. This theoretical model assumes that people develop beliefs, attitudes, and expectations about the real world based on what they see and hear on television. Subsequently, they use the beliefs, attitudes, and expectations they have developed to make decisions about how they will behave in the real-world settings and situations. 
This would be particularly true for young viewers who are exposed rather heavily to such media messages through the types of programming that they tend to view. Given the types of messages that the media provide about portrayals of women, cultivation theory would predict that the cumulative effect of exposure to these messages would provide young people with beliefs and attitudes that reinforce the false assumptions about gender and that there will be social consequences to pay if one's appearance does not conform to the standards. A little bit earlier, you mentioned that there are some images in anime that diverge for women and men, um, such as the idea of pacifism and submission being attributed to women more often. Um, however, you also mentioned some similar imaging, um, such as sexualization that face, that women and men both face in anime. So how would you say women and men are portrayed differently if they are portrayed differently in anime? Do you find that there is a discrepancy there? Yes, there definitely is a tendency where the Japanese anime utilize these characters' roles specially and very specifically connected to their gender ideals. Um, For example, with the example theme I provided earlier, the kawaii ideal, women in Japanese anime are supposed to be pure, cute, innocent, submissive, and supportive to the male haso macho characters, which is another theme that we coded for that identifies a traditional male ideal comprised of the physical functionality and strength associated with powerful body without too much muscle. In the episodes that we watched, it was implicated that the man had to protect women and women had to be saved, while men cannot be called themselves a man if they do not have the courage or bravery enough to fight. And this is just one example of how women and men are portrayed differently. More extreme cases have themes of power over women, per se, where the male character is portrayed to have or desire physical and mental power over women. For instance, an example that we observed specifically while coding depicted that a female character who is a maid got pregnant with her master because she is just a woman, just a maid who the master or the male character has complete power over her. Now that this issue is being brought to light, where do we go from here? Can you see any future implications from your research? Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely do think that there were some limitations in my own study, and I hope that for future research, we can create a list of anime that is more standardized, with perhaps more episodes to watch, with more coders to prove internal consistency. And now that this issue is being brought into light, I hope to continue with my research to showcase that many media that young children watch, like Japanese anime as one example, have a problematic presence in themes of objectification of women, discouraging body images in women, and very specific gender messaging that cultivates our children into shaping a stereotype, defining what a woman means or being a man means. So we as adults must be aware of what the media is consistently telling our children and be able to advise them what they see on television does not necessarily mean the ultimate truth. Really, really important takeaways. I definitely am leaving this interview um, (laughs) hoping to be more cognizant of the media I'm consuming and kind of the messaging within that Mm -hmm. and making sure I'm being a responsible and ethical viewer. (laughs) Um, And lastly, what is something that you hope that our listeners take home from your research today? 
I hope that my messages will be able to spread throughout the community within Pepperdine and ask for everyone to take a second and ponder about the messages that they see within the media that they observe. Because I believe that when there are more realizations, there will be more room for improvement. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Lydia. This has been so enlightening and so, so wonderful to hear your, your great perspective and the fantastic research that you're working on. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, Kylie. It was so fun to speak with you today. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast episode was edited by Kylie Jones. Tune in next time for a conversation with Dr. Carrie Riddle and William Bacon about ethnic conflict and ethnic peacebuilding.